0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
1: Welcome to another hour dedicated to inquiry, reflection, questions, possibilities, and more, all in our effort to understand exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour dedicated to learning something more about ourselves, an hour designed to help us integrate all of our knowledge, and perhaps even challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour where we strive to evaluate knowledge as inseparable from the total experience of reality. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Every week I read a few of your letters as our way of paying respect to the importance you play in helping us to shape and improve our show. Last week, our guest was Patty Jones, and our conversation was all about deja vu. Skeptics often account for deja vu by categorizing it as unattended information from earlier experiences, memory fragments, and the like. Patty did not find this concept to be all-encompassing enough to deal with the types and the nature of the many real-life deja vu experiences that she has encountered in her research. To that end, Kevin in our chat room commented, Quote, I, had a deja, I, I have had deja vus, and there is no way that they are fragments of past memory. If anything, I can tie them back to various dreams that I have had. Elaine wrote, Eldon, once again a great show and discussion in the chat room. It was interesting to learn that there are many forms of deja vu. And the most fascinating for me was that some of us shared that you can experience deja vu in a dream, where you dream that you are aware you've been here before, and get that same deja vu feeling that you get when you're awake at times. Thanks much. Well, you're more than welcome, Elaine, and thanks for your comments. (laughs) I would like to start by saying I have just found you in the past year, and I just love you, your show and Ravinder. I'm enjoying the intelligence of your show the most. You have the courage to enlighten us on any subject and honestly challenge anything. Please continue this path as we so need this intelligent, enlightening, and loving program. Wow. Thank you very much, Jackie. We appreciate your letter and your feedback, and we'll do our very best. A Mike wrote, I bought your books, What If and Mind Programming, fabulous books. You really have a talent to explain difficult things. Unfortunately, they're not in German, so I couldn't share them with my friends. Still, they opened a whole new world, and helped a lot with the easy-to-do exercises. Thanks and greetings from Germany. Okay, well now, listen, Mike, you're more than welcome, and thank you for your feedback. But by the way, both books are available in German, as well as several other languages, but they may have slightly different titles. So when you search for them, search for them according to my name, and you'll, you'll find them. Okay? Sandra wrote, loved your books. Usually I read a book to get answers, but I had so many more questions and thoughts after I read them. Your books make you think in different ways. I'm analyzing everything now and asking myself, why do I believe that? Well, thanks for the note, Sandra. Waking up, in my opinion, living into ourselves, meeting the challenge of true self-realization requires the process you are describing. So have fun doing it. And by the way, for all of you, today, a short film and an article by myself is featured on the Hay House Heal Your Life Facebook page. Check it out. It's all about waking up. Gabriel wrote regarding our free InterTalk programs. Thank you for your enlightening and thought-changing service. Well, you're more than welcome, Gabriel, and for all of you. Remember that we have several MP3 InterTalk programs that are yours for the downloading. They are the real deal, they're not samples, they're scientifically proven effective, and I do mean scientific, because our Intertalk technology has been tested in the most rigorous of scientific research designs, the double-blind study, and repeatedly demonstrated effective by numerous independent researchers at leading institutions such as Stanford. All you have to do to get yours is visit my website, use the left-hand navigation pane to find the link titled Free Programs. It's just part of our Pay It Forward program. Christina wrote, Thank you, everyone at Intertalk and Provocative Enlightenment for all you do. I love the show. Now that's a genuinely warm and pithy letter. Thank you, Christina. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by sending your email to Eldon, E-L-D-O-N, at eldontaylor.com, and or by joining me on Facebook. You can also just leave comments on my website. I do try to read all of your letters. Obviously, we can't get them all on the air, but they do impact our programming. I highly value your, your input, so once again, thank you. Now to today's show. In Search of the True Human Potential. You know, what, what are the limits inherent to being human? What can we know and how can we know it? During the past several weeks, we have had experts on our show to discuss dreams, premonitions, precognitive events, deja vu, parapsychology, NDEs, shared NDEs, OBEs, skepticism and the skeptics, Messages from the dead and the dying process, pets and their consciousness, the afterlife, the power of intention, shamanism, quantum physics, the ineffable experience, epiphanies, mind-meaning miracles, and more. A common theme, however, underlying all of this seems to pivot around what I think of as an information channel, a non-traditional way of knowing or experiencing our world. What is that channel or channels? How do we tune into them or do we? What exactly is involved, for example, in mediumship? How can a medium know about both past and and future? Is the world predetermined because they know in whole or in part? What sets a medium apart from a psychic or is there any real difference? Is this sixth sense, so to speak, this access to the information channel, always reliable? I mean, maybe the medium gets it right, but the something in the universe changes, and that changes the outcome for all. Is that possible? Of course, the opposite side of this one is also true. What about those that just make it up, the frauds? And how do we tell them apart from the genuine deal when even the genuine get it wrong sometimes? Is it unfair to ask, are there really any genuines? Well, our guest today knows all about mediums and more, and she is here to share her insight into the human potential. Trained as a so-called heart scientist, Dr. Julie Beischel is the co-founder and director of research at the Windbridge Institute for Applied Research in Human Potential. She received her doctorate in pharmacology and toxicology with a minor in microbiology and immunology from the University of Arizona in 2003. Dr. Byschel was the first recipient of the William James Postdoctoral Fellowship in Mediumship and Survival Research at the University of Arizona, where she served as co-director of the Veritas Research Program until that program closed at the end of 2007. And for those of you that don't know, Veritas is Latin for truth. It's also said, the V is a W. Uh, and it is the official slogan of Harvard University, truth. In January 2008, Dr. Byschel moved the research the participants and the screening and training of prospective research mediums to the newly formed Winbridge Institute. Her research interests center on the survival of consciousness hypothesis and include proof-focused studies of mediums' communication with disincarnates. Dr. Byschel's academic training and Several interdisciplinary scientific fields allows her to design and apply traditional research methods to investigating these more unconventional topics. Dr. Byschel is currently a member of the Society for Scientific Exploration and the Parapsychology Association, a member of the Scientific Advisory Boards of the Rhine Research Center and the Forever Family Foundation and an Institute of Noetic Sciences Luminary. She has published peer-reviewed articles in journals, including Journal of Scientific Exploration, Transpersonal Psychology Review, Journal of Parapsychology, Australian Journal of Parapsychology, and Explore the Journal of Science and Healing. Obviously, she is eminently well-qualified to discuss our subject today, so let's get her up here welcome her to our show. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Dr. Julie Bichel.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: That's indeed our pleasure. I hope we got enough platitudes out there for you.
2: I think Are I you think ready? I got them all.
1: I am. <laughs> Let's begin by having you tell your story. I mean, I, in a sense, I wish Ravinder was here. She's uh, trained in microbiology, uh, worked in a PATH lab. I met her when she was doing graduate work in psychology. I was lecturing in uh, at the uh, uh, National uh, University in uh, London, England. And. Uh, you know, her background and your background kind of parallel one another. And, and so, like I say, in a sense, I'd like to have her here just to compare the notes. So what is it that takes a microbiologist, a pharmacologist, and plants them over into this world of parapsychology?
2: Um, yeah, because I, too, worked in a path lab, and I guess now I work in an off-the-beaten path lab.
1: <laughs> um, I like that.
2: That's my little joke I just came up with right now. Um so, yeah, i was I was in um graduate school getting my degree, and I had come from this traditional, you know, scientific background and traditional um my family's very German Catholic, so traditional in that aspect too. and um and when I a few years into grad school, my mom uh, committed suicide. And that was about the time where um crossing over with John Edward, that television show was really big. Um, and so that was on, I, you know, I, that was the first time I ever heard of what a medium was. And, and I was watching that show and thinking those people look very moved by what he's saying. And, and, you know, but it's a television show. So I would need, you know, I'm a scientist. I would need to check it out for myself. So, um, I went on his website and you couldn't get on the show. (laughs) It was like a three year waiting list. And, um, so I, I, put that, you know, away as what I wanted to do. And um, and I ended up just, you know, seeing a, a medium in my own uh, part of the world. And um, with that experience, I recognized that something clearly was going on here. There were things a medium was saying that there was no way she could have known by looking at me um, or talking with me. And, I, you know, and I had read, um, I'd read this book called The Naked Quack, which is a book by a psychic about how fake psychics get you. And so I knew all the tricks. And, um, you know, so much so that when it was an in person reading, and when I um, walked in and I met the medium, I looked at her and I said, Oh, I have that skirt. And then I was so, Oh, no, I, I've given away everything. She knows where I shop. She can read everything. And I, I had, you know, I was so. Um, I was being so compulsive and obsessive about, don't give away any information. So I know that the things that she was saying she wasn't getting for me. So I walked out of there thinking, there's clearly something going on here. And I went back into my real world, into, you know, my hard science colleagues, and I would tell people this story, people that I thought were, you know, intelligent, open-minded people. And, you know, the responses I would get, some people would just say, huh. And that was really all they had to say. They really didn't. They couldn't, had no more words. And then, but some people would just, no, they just would dismiss it outright as um, that can't possibly be what happened. You have to have, you had to have been misinterpreting this. You know, they really didn't have alternative explanations. They just were saying, no, that's, no, that's not right. And just refused
1: to accept it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, With no basis, no data. And so um, I have a very strong sense of justice, and I, I thought that that was very, very unfair, that these people, um, these mediums, were just doing what they felt compelled to do. You know, it's a calling, and um, people were discounting them as an entire profession, as an entire group of people, saying, they're all frauds. They're all con artists. There's no way they can be doing this. And I've had this one experience, you know, um, the one white crow saying, no, there, this happened. I saw this happen. There's clearly something going on here. So I thought it was important that science stand, you know, stand up for these people. And that it's, that's not a good scientist to just dismiss something. And, you know, there's no boundaries of science. Science doesn't, there's not things that science can address and things that can't. Science is a method for knowing. And so it's just a way to learn. And, um, so I was able to, um, have the opportunity. I did my, like you said, I did my postdoctoral fellowship, um, in mediumship research. I, you know, a lot of strange coincidences and, uh, I did my postdoc there and, and, you know, under controlled conditions, the the phenomenon stayed there. There was something going on there. And so, um, like you said at the beginning, when the funding for that program ended, then I thought this needs to go on. We have yet to answer all the questions. You know, I, I joke my, um, my graduate degree project was in uh, cardiac science. And so I, I feel like in mediumship research, we're sort of at the point in the science of like, is there a heart? You know, and then all the <laughs> questions that come after that, we still have to answer. So we're still trying to, to answer that very primary question. And uh, yeah. so there there are still so many more things. I couldn't just stop there. So um, my husband and I started the Winbridge Institute in order to keep doing uh, mediumship and other types of research that weren't getting done.
1: And, and that's main- great. The, you know, Kuhn, I think, is absolutely right about scientific paradigms. The problem with the, the existing paradigm that we have is that the phenomena that you experienced is outside that paradigm. And so the tools to to investigate that phenomena uh, either don't exist or are not accepted but you know come back to what you're saying i mean we had Rupert Sheldrake on the show not long ago rupert and i have become good friends and and um, he talked about a debate he had with richard dawkins and in, in london and he he said to dawkins the author of the god delusion of course um you know, have you seen the new data on random number generators? And doctors said, no, but it wouldn't make any difference to me. And that sums it all up. That's not being a true skeptic. That's just denial. That's the yeah. the James Randy Ray Hyman approach. You know, yeah. we are just, you know, hired guns kind of thing. It's a lot of courage for you to do what you did. So now tell us about the Windbridge Institute. What is it now that, that you're focused on there?
2: Um, Well, right now we're primarily focused still on survival of consciousness research, so we still have several mediumship projects that we're working on. um, And there's sort of three um, mediumship research fronts, um, proof-focused research, and I'll define these in just a second, proof-focused research, process-focused research, and applied research. So proof-focused research looks at are they doing what they say they're doing, Can mediums report accurate and specific information about discarnate deceased people um, without any prior knowledge about the discarnate or the living people associated with them, called sitters, um, with no feedback during the reading and without using fraud or deception? And so that process, that phenomenon, we call anomalous information reception. So proof-focused research tests for is there such a thing as anomalous information reception? Um, And then process-focused research looks at the medium's experiences of that communication with the deceased, and then applied research looks at what are the practical social applications of a mediumship reading. So we're focused right now primarily on grief um, as mediumship research, mediumship readings, pardon me, as a treatment for grief. Um, But other social applications, I know your background is in um, criminology, so can Mediums help in criminal investigations. Clearly, there's lots of anecdotal evidence, and lots of law enforcement agencies work, you know, whether they admit it or not is another story, but work with mediums and psychics. But that's never been brought into the lab where we can track accuracy and what kinds of things can they get and what kinds of things can't they get and that sort of thing. So that's, um, we're, we're only about three and a half years old, so that's in the future. You know, we hope to look at mm-hmm. that in the future. Um, and I the reason that process focused research is necessary is because with proof focused research we've demonstrated um and we're still collecting data um so I can we can replicate because you know it doesn't happen in science till it gets replicated um so we're currently working on a replication study where I'm trying to collect just so uh, an N so big so many readings that you know it it's hard to dismiss um and a p value you know with uh, that statistically demonstrates the presence of A.I.R. But no matter how much proof focused data that you collect, um, you can never say where the information is coming from. I can never that it never says they're talking to dead people.
1: I, I say okay, but now let's take that on because. You know, as a scientist, you know that um, the very first challenge that you would meet from a chair in your department who was friendly to your idea would be, okay, what's the theoretical? How was how this information uh, obtained? Uh, and so in your own personal mind, what do you see as the theoretical? Uh, how, is it a... Um, a channel of information that uh, people are tuning into? Is it uh, you know, something like a zero point, as some people say? Is it a collective unconscious? Or is it, as John Edwards, who's appearing in New York, by the way, today, mm-hmm. uh, insists, he's speaking actually to uh, a loved one that has passed over. What is your personal take on that, Dr. Bysheel?
2: You know, people say, what do you believe? And I always say, I'm a scientist, I don't believe anything. I, I, I conclude based on I'm not what the asking data is. You you
1: be- I'm not asking you what you believe. I'm asking you what you infer from your scientific investigation.
2: Okay. Based on all the data that we've collected, um, because the, the we can eliminate all the normal things. We can say it's not fraud. We can say it's not, you know, all the things that the, the quote-unquote skeptics, we use the word denier because it's more accurate. Um, a skeptic is at least open-minded. So all the things a denier says that are responsible for a medium to accuracy. Fraud, um, co- statements so general they can apply to anyone, queuing um, by the experimenter, um, you know, and cold reading where they just read from the body language um, and the reactions of the sitter. So we can eliminate all that. We We know that's not what's happening. So what's left is, yeah, one, they're talking to, there are, survived consciousnesses and they're talking they're communicating directly with those people they're still people and or two they're accessing that information somehow wherever it's stored be it in you know an akashic record type of thing it's called the psychic reservoir um, in parapsychology or from the minds of the sitters um, and you know anybody else involved with the deceased person using telepathy or even um, precognition where they look into the future when they receive feedback about the reading. And you, like I said, the content can never discern between those. But if you ask a medium, um, they know what telepathy feels like, and it feels different than a mediumship reading. So that's what the process-focused leg of our research, it systematically looks at that difference. So we published a study where we had them describe um, in as much detail as they could the, the experience during uh, mediumship reading, and then their experiences when they do a psychic reading for a living client. And we found there were similarities because it's both sort of a non-local information exchange, um, but there were differences too. And so that those data um, have me leaning toward, and if you just listen to a reading, it, it sounds a whole lot more like right. a conversation. Well, hold on than
1: to
2: that. Like, hold on to that one sure sure
1: we've got a hard break coming up so uh, you know when we come back we'll pick that up and i and i especially want to i mean you must have discovered some fraud in the process of your research so let's take that on too you're listening to provocative enlightenment on Hay House radio my guest today is dr julie Bichel, and we're discussing mediums in the world of the so-called paranormal you won't want to miss what's coming up in the next half hour so be sure to stay tuned we'll be right back after these words from some of our friends
3: Close your eyes. Imagine your goals and dreams. What's preventing you from accomplishing them? Most often, we are our own worst enemies. I can't. I'm not good enough. It's time to reprogram that inner dialogue. Replace all those negative self-images with, I'm good. I am powerful. I can do anything. Eldon Taylor's InnerTalk patented subliminal technology does just that. Researched at numerous universities such as Stanford, and by governments such as Mexico and Germany, InnerTalk has repeatedly been proven effective at changing your self-talk. Stop imagining your goals and make them a reality today. Visit www.intertalk.com. That's i-n-n-e-r-t-a-l-k.com. Intertalk.com. Do you feel like you've become
2: lost in a funhouse? Only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you, I invite you to step through the doorway and onto the path leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Elton Taylor's New York Times best-selling book, Choices and Illusions, now expanded, updated, and revised. It will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free from your current perceptions and begin your journey to how high is up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble.
0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
1: And welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing with Dr. Judy Byschel, mediums in the world of the so-called paranormal. But before we get back to today's show, I want to invite you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan of the show, you'll receive special announcements and incentives from time to time, and we've got one of those planned coming up real quick, uh, just as our way of thanking you for your support. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. All right, let's get back to the show. Before the break, we were discussing um, actually process-focused research, feeling differences, uh, which, which you know, leads me to think about the fraud that exists in psychics. And we decided that we'd pick pick it up. Uh, after the break with just that. You must have encountered fraud when you were doing this research, Dr. Byschel. W- tell us about that.
2: Um, well, the, the mediums that we work with, are we certify them. They're Wingridge certified research mediums. And to be certified, they go through an eight-step screening and training procedure. And it takes months and months and months to complete. And if the test readings are step five, where we actually do mediumship readings. And they're under blind conditions, and there's a number of readings that people have to complete. And so by the time people get to, you know, that they know that all of that is going to happen, um, I only get the ones that are very sure of their abilities. That, that the the be others hard. bail
1: out. <laughs> exactly. Okay, you, so
2: I don't I, really run into a lot of frauds because they know they, know they can't do this procedure. So um, okay, but now, having said that. 75 per, only 75% of the people that attempt our screening actually pass. So 25% of people who work as a medium at, you know, for a living, have lots of experience, have lots of happy clients, think, you know, read about this and, and intentionally um, volunteer to participate in this screening and testing, um, they can't do better than chance statistically under these entirely blinded conditions these are quintuple blinded readings so they don't
1: nevertheless if three quarters of them if 75 percent of them are qualifying that's pretty phenomenal
2: it is it definitely is
1: now let's let's just look at you know the average of the three quarter per, the 75 percent that actually become certified their averages. is uh, you know, statistically meaningful, better than chance. Uh, that's nothing at all like 90 percent, 95 percent that, you know, that, that could be I'm getting it right. Five and a half out of 10 times.
2: Yeah. Right. And, and so we, what is
1: the average that you're getting out of that 75 percent by way of of correct hits?
2: Well, we don't like to throw that. I am always I always caution people when mediums say, oh, I'm 80% accurate because that, that number is actually pretty meaningless if you don't know, okay, under what conditions was that? Is that on average? Is that on your best day? Is that on your worst day? So we don't like to throw that number out. But, yeah, it, when we do, when we present the, you know, we report the data on average, all of them together under these quintuple blighted conditions, um, yeah, it's about half of the things that they say the sitter does not count as correct. So. Now,
1: have you have you looked at the relevance of? Uh, I mean, have you tried to break up their responses? So, I mean, uh, let me let me start that one all over again. You could. Uh, A medium could tell you that uh, next week is going to be a beautiful day on Tuesday, the day of your birthday, and you're going to go on a picnic, a rather innocuous kind of thing. A medium could also tell you next week on Tuesday, your mother's going to die, a rather serious, have you broken down the kinds of information they give you by way of lending some kind of implication, some kind of gravity to them to determine if there is, if their, if their tendency to be accurate is higher or lesser, uh, having to do with the significance of, of, the material they're they're giving you,
2: a couple things. Um, those examples that you gave, I would consider those things a psychic would say, not necessarily things a medium would say. Okay. So in and and in our mediumship readings, we ask specific questions. So we have the medium describe. We say. Describe the physical characteristics, the personality characteristics, um, the hobbies or activities, and the cause of death of the person. And so we don't give them. And then there is a part at the end where we say, "Is there anything else you want to tell me?" Um, and we do have a question because we make everyone jump through our hoops, our research hoops. We do have a question. We call it the reverse question. Does the deceased person have anything to say now that they have been nice enough to participate in this experiment? Um, so they do get to talk to the sitter. So. Um, there's that, you know, that those think about this is what's going to happen in the future. That doesn't really come up in a mediumship reading, but that would be more in a psychic reading. Okay, and let,
1: let me nullify, you know, and let me, let me change the example. Okay. Uh, from a medium, you could have uh, uh, a, something of serious import, like, I, you know, I'm sorry, tell her that I'm sorry that I right. sexually molested her. Right. Uh, you could have something that is of lesser import, you know. So once again, we would have the significance in the information that was given. And my question is, do you see a higher or lower veracity involved or or correctness involved in the gravity of the answer?
2: Right. So the data that we collect is just on accuracy right now. We have a scoring system that we've developed for emotional significance so that for each item the person would score how accurate is this item and what is its emotional significance. Uh-huh. Uh, and the example that I use is if a medium said to me, um, oh, your mom is saying something about the song Amazing Grace, like, and she's saying, oh, this, that was her favorite song, Amazing Grace, or they sang it at her funeral, something like that. I would uh-huh. say accuracy, wrong, but I would say emotional significance, very high, because my mom hated this song, Amazing Grace, and whenever they sang it in church, she was, you know, oh, she was very disappointed. She didn't like that song at all. So that, there's that difference. Um, we have a problem with sitter um, people staying in the process. It's very time-consuming for everyone involved, for, you know, for the experimenters, for the mediums, for sitters. Um, I don't know about the deceased people. We don't know how time works over there. But um, we have, you know, we have people where when we send them the readings. You know, we've transcribed the readings, which takes like eight hours for every one hour of reading. And when then they just, people just don't ever send them back, and they don't respond to our phone calls or our emails and stuff. So we try and make the scoring burden as low as we can so that we hope to get some data back from people. And so to have everybody have to score each item for two things, we've just not done that because we don't think we'll get anybody to do it, unfortunately. I understand.
1: It's just a practicality
2: issue at this point.
1: Okay. And you, you, you investigate a number of other kinds of phenomenas. We, you know, obviously, you delineated already the difference between a psychic and a medium. Are you doing work with psychics now?
2: Um. Actually, um. In the next couple of days, we're going to launch a research program where we look at the accuracy of psychic information. So, if people go, can I, can I talk about this? If people go on our homepage. Um, wind, sure. windbridge.org windbridge.org um, at the top of the page is a button that says join our email list so if people join our list in a couple of days we'll launch this new um, study and we're looking for participants who would like to receive and score a psychic reading about themselves and we're specifically looking for people who don't have deceased people so, because we want to prevent the drop in of deceased people so if, you, if no one close to you, if you're lucky enough that no one very close to you has passed away, um, then you are ideal for our psychic study. And um, we'd love you to join our list. And then in a couple of days, we'll launch that, and we'll send an email out with all the information about how people can sign up. Um, right, and give, I that, would, give,
1: that, give the website again.
2: It's windbridge.org, W-I-N-D-B-R-I-D-G-E.org windsbridge.org yeah
1: I interrupted you I didn't mean to go. what were you about okay. to say
2: oh um, we also I wanted to point out we also um, uh, have you know we're, we we have used sitter participants in our research like I said and, and that um, recruitment has been open for a while now and I um, uh, when I speak at conferences where people will come up to me and say I signed up to be a sitter but I haven't heard anything and so I just one of you know in another case here publicly announced over 900 people have signed up to participate in our mediumship research so and the sitters are chosen at random so we can't tell you if or when you'll be chosen and I can only imagine that the same sort of numbers will happen for the psychic um, research and so um, you know please sign up but uh, I you know that doesn't mean that you'll get a reading tomorrow <laughs> um, you may be one of 900 people again um, Got gotcha. you. All right, let,
1: let's let's go back to Arizona. You work with Dr. Gary Schwartz, uh, and neither of you are strangers to controversy. As a result of that, and there are people that that would argue you manipulate your environment, or you manipulate your data, or you have your own biases, and uh, there are methodological errors and so forth. How do you answer them, short of you know the ad hominem. You're a denier. How do you how do you answer them face up uh, with their data with their approach?
2: Well, our um, our like I said, our protocol is quintuple blind. So you had talked about double blind studies at, um earlier, and so because it's a mediumship reading, like the medium is like the pill. So you can't you know in, in meta courses you can't blind the drug, you can't blind the pill. So we, right. the, the medium is blinded um, and then the experimenters are there are a number of experimenters so we use that term quintuple blind so the medium is blinded to information about the sitter um, the sitter is blinded to in, to information they don't they, they receive the transcription of two readings they don't know which one is theirs they don't hear the reading as it takes place um, and then the experimenter who deals with the sitters in the training at the beginning is blinded to who's going to read who and which reading is from who and then the experimenter who um, it, that deals with the mediums during the readings, is blinded to all the information about the sitters. And then the the, the third experimenter who interacts with the sitters during scoring is also blinded um, to which reading is which. And so there can there's no possible way there can be leakage of sensory information. So we've taken care of fraud. We've taken care of cold reading because the, the medium has no access to the sitter. Um, and we ask for these we ask the medium these specific questions so it can't be information so general applies to anyone. And so if you look at that protocol, um, you know, you, there there are other explanations and then we use the appropriate statistical method to, to analyze the data. And so, um, it, you know, they are just deniers if they look at that stuff and then still say there's nothing there. Um, the, um, you know, even... Parapsychologists will say, you know, I've I've presented things, and then people say, "Oh, well, do you give them feedback about how they did?" And I say, "Yes," and they say, "Well, then it's just precognition, which is still Mm kind of impressive." Or it's, you know, is it just telepathy? Oh, just telepathy? Okay. Um, But in our current study, we're not giving the mediums any feedback, so it even eliminates precognition. Um, And if you look at all that, you know, you you have to admit, if you if you are an open-minded person. You have to admit that there's something going on there. So the one the main criticism that we get is um, we give the mediums the first name of the discarnate when they do a reading, and people claim that, that, that the first name gives away too much and that the mediums are just reporting the information based on what they get from the first name.
1: Interesting,
2: interesting.
0: You... Uh,
1: I, I I mean, as far as I'm concerned, when I hear the protocol and, and then I make, of course, the other assumptions that based on that protocol, they're, you know, the actual execution is as clean as the protocol is designed. Mm-hmm. It, it would seem to me that you must conclude that um, they're actually communicating uh, with consciousness that is disembodied, however we want to say that. You can call it a person, a spirit, or, or a, a ghost, whatever you want to say. Uh, I don't see that you could, you can actually jump to something like the Akashic Record and, and uh, I mean, from your your own notes, from your own protocol, from your, uh, I believe you call it the process-focused research, the difference in feeling. are Are your... Are your mediums telling you that they're actually talking to a person that has passed over, or do they feel that they're getting it from, you know, some uh, library in the the other somewhere?
2: They experience mediumship reading as communication with a discarnate. That's the way they experience it. You know, they when they do a psychic reading for the living, they have some sense that some of that information in the psychic reading comes right from the client, and some of it comes from the ether. And I don't know. You know, we haven't. Again, we're just um, sort of starting to look at those kind of things. So I don't. We haven't pinned down exactly what that the ether means in that. But definitely, in a mediumship reading, they experience that as as communication. And like for example, one of the studies we do, we that we published, we gave them, they took a questionnaire called the Phenomenology of Consciousness Inventory, and it's 53 items about, and so you have an experience, and then you take the test right away, and it's, it, you answer these questions about your experience, so we, we did that, and we compared it, they took it after a medium screen and then they took it after a control condition where no, they were just chatting with me on the phone, and, um... That we saw a difference in one of the the PCI quantifies 26 different dimensions of consciousness, and we saw a difference in uh, what one of the dimensions is volitional control. So they didn't things were like the one of the questions that that speak to that are like ideas were popping into my head, and so they they the, this finding of volitional control differences um, shows that that someone else is is controlling this flow of information they don't feel like they're um reaching out to get it they feel like it's coming into them and we call that like retrieve versus um receive so they feel right. like they're receiving it versus they go out to retrieve it so it's coming into them more than they're reaching out to get it
1: okay this this skill this ability we'll call it a skill a tool set uh, to be a medium uh, your experience uh can that be developed
2: that's another question we haven't um, yet answered. And, um, you know, a lot of mediums, our research mediums included, our certified mediums included, offer development classes. And, you know, like there are some people who talk about, um, that believe remote viewing is like a skill that you have or you don't have. And you can learn how to how to hone it, um, but it, you have to have it to begin with. And I think mediumship, might be the same as sort of, you know, I talk about it like playing the piano. Um, You could sit down your first time at a piano and play a concerto, or you could take classes and lessons every day for years and still not be that good. You have to have some, so I think you have to have some kind of innate ability, but they do talk about it that it's just, you know, that the information is there and anybody can hear it and, and see it. And, that makes sense to me that if one human brain can do it, any human brain could do it. Um, but I think that there might be an element of you have to have some innate ability and then you have to hone it. But, again, that's not something that we've been able to look at yet. Um, okay, let's, so.
1: let's jump back to your alma mater then. When you say that, when you say innate abilities, et cetera, uh, Dr. Stuart Hameroff, uh, again, in Arizona, mm-hmm. has a theory. You must know him. Uh, mm-hmm. And his theory was once championed by uh, Roger Penrose, the mentor yep. of Stephen W. Hawking. Okay, so you know about quantum consciousness and his theory, this mm-hmm. idea of how the mind works. Uh, do you believe that uh, that that is a mechanism, a potential mechanism that, that bridges this uh, difference between uh, wherever our uh, discarnate, to individuals are and and are carnate. I mean, what that, what, what that mechanism for the communication? Do you believe that that's hardwired in?
2: I don't. I think that that um, that Stewart's research shows how consciousness can can be non-local and that it that it gets sort of seated when there's a brain, but it doesn't need a brain to survive. But I don't think that it necessarily speaks to abilities to communicate, I think it's, it's more, and, you know, I think Stuart would, um, I've heard him say this in public, that it does, um, it is a mechanism for how uh, we can survive bodily death, that, because...
1: But that the, would, doesn't that pre, presuppose that if it's a mechanism for that, if it's a mechanism for non-local consciousness, that it could well be the mechanism by which this communication uh, takes place? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I could be selfish. I, 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 I've I got so many other questions here. I can tell you we're going to have to bring you back. Ingo Swan is a good friend of mine, and I know remote viewing is one of the things that you're interested in. But I'm ignoring our phone calls, and I'm ignoring the questions out of our chat room, and that's simply not fair. So we're going to go to the phone, then we'll jump back over to the chat room, and we'll kind of bounce back and forth and give uh, our listening audience a chance to ask you some questions. You ready for that? I'm ready. All right. So let's uh, let's go to Marcel out of Dallas, Texas. Marcel, welcome to Provocative Enlightenment.
0: Hi. How are you guys doing?
1: Hi, Marcel.
0: Hi, Julie. Uh, Dr. Baisal, I should say. Uh, I'm listening to the show for the first time, Eldon, and I think it's fascinating. I'm going to be, become a listener in the future here.
1: Well, great. Thank you.
0: Uh, I am actually a medium, and I've spoken on the phone and through email with Dr. Baisal before, so uh, just to put that out there. But my question, and you guys were kind of touching on it, about non-local consciousness and about the akashic records and things like that. Um, one of the big problems in the study of mediumship and parapsychology is how do you prove that this is? There's two uh, hypotheses out there. Or there's more than two, but the two prominent ones are the survival hypothesis and the phi hypothesis. And I'm wondering if the Wimbridge Institute is going to just be focusing on a, on applied mediumship versus actually uh, going forward and trying to prove that there is actually survival or conversation going on between uh, two, uh, one, a discarnate and an incarnate consciousness, or is it, are we just going to have to accept that we can't really prove that this is not just anomalous cognition and that we're just going to have to accept that, you know, we'll never really be able to prove through science that there is an actual conversation going on and not a retrieval from, from the universe
2: or some kind of memory bank. Right. So we're, uh, we're, gonna, we're going forward with our process focused research where we look at the medium's experience because that seems to be the key um, to differentiating between survival and psi. And um, no one's really looked at that before. Um, you know, historically, mediums were trance mediums, so they didn't have any conscious experience of the acquisition of the information. So we're able to do that now. Um, we can ask them how they experience the communication versus how they experience. Um, just using regular PSI. And um, so we're going forward with that. But, yeah, I'm not going to bang my head into the wall trying to prove survival because, as you said, that might not be possible. Um, And so we are very um, focused on the applications of this research. You know, we're definitely going forward with both proof and process-focused studies, um, but the applied is really um, what we're most interested in.
0: I think, And just by the way, real quickly before you go on to the next caller, is that it's really – I teach – I'm not a development class. I actually teach a workshop, and I can teach anybody, anybody in the world, even a skeptic or an atheist or whatever, uh, remote viewing or information retrieval. It's it's not that hard, really. And so maybe one day we can sit down and talk about it, but all I need is 48 hours with anybody, and they can become – had the skill set to become a media more remote
1: viewer it's really nice all right difficult. marcel we appreciate it we're just we're just running out of time we've got a minute left i appreciate your phone call uh join us on the chat room and leave some information there marcel as to how people could contact you thank you for calling uh dr bischel i give you the opportunity as i promised, tell everybody please how they can contact you your website give them a quick reminder again
2: uh, our website is um, www.windbridge.org, and uh, I invite people to go to that, that home page. can get you anywhere. Um, at the top of the page is a, join our email list. I invite everyone to do that, and um, we're, not, we're not spammy, we will, and we will treat your email address with the utmost confidentiality. And um, and then also on that homepage is a Get Involved okay. button, and that gives you a lot of other ways <laughs> we to We are involved.
1: out of time, Dr. All Bichel. right. Well, thank you so all much right. for having you me. We got the website. Pleasure. Thank you. And for all of you out there, I hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join us again next week. And remember, believing in yourself always matters.